What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. What is up, everybody? Hey, thanks for checking in on this episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm so stoked to have Dr. Rob Kelly, PhD, with me in the house. Hey, man, how are you? Good, Johnny. How are you doing? I'm so good. You are uh, a renowned addiction consultant, which I think is such a uh, relevant conversation, especially through COVID, working with so many guys that I know, with so many men taking their lives mm. from addiction and everything else. It, it breaks my heart. Uh, but having gone through my own trauma and, and hearing your story about alcoholism, I just really appreciate you being here and to, to have this conversation about this, this topic, because it's one that I think is truly saving lives. And I don't think there's anything, uh, a greater purpose <laughs> in life than that. Yeah, so definitely. tell, tell the, the listeners, the viewers <clears throat> a little bit more about your backstory. I, sh- I can certainly read it here from my piece of paper, but I'd, I'd love to hear it from the horse's mouth. Well, uh, my name is uh, Dr. Rob Kelly. They call me the addiction doctor. I specialize in addiction, alcohol and drugs mainly. Uh, Came from a very very poor background. Um, You guys would call it a trailer park. We would call it a council estate. (laughs) Took my first drink at the age of nine on stage in Liverpool, where the Beatles come from, uh, many, many years ago. And my alcoholism kind of took off there, though I didn't know it at the time. So went through lots of stuff. Wanted to be a musician. I ended up at Abbey Road, um, which is the place where the Beatles recorded. And I played with Elton John, Bowie, Queen, all them guys. Uh, put myself to university, went to Oxford. And then it all started to go downhill mm. from there, which we'll get into shortly. But yeah, I went terrible time. Ended up homeless. Was homeless for 14 months. And then somehow got off the streets and then started this crusade, really, about what alcoholism and addiction really is. You know, an alcoholic is not someone who drinks so much alcohol, that's for sure. So then we got into the brain science of it. Neuroplasticity is what I specialize in and neuroscience. Uh, And then 14 years ago, got a chance to come over to the United States for two weeks only. A church had sent me, heard of what I was doing. It was all out the box, but it was working. And uh, the first day I got off the plane at DFW, I knew I was never going to go home again. Mm. It was just something here. Mm. So, yeah, I've been doing that ever since. And almost, I don't know, 6,700 people down the line all got the life back because we never, especially guys, you know, guys can't talk to anybody. Everyone thinks it's weak to, you know, when I get somebody one-to-one, on the internet, on, on Zoom, it's HIPAA compliant. Uh, I can grab their attention from day one because I've been through all that stuff. I was the bodybuilder who won all the title. I was the boxer and martial arts guys that nobody could mess with. You know, this amazing guy went to homeless and then back again. It's like every I've got everything covered. When somebody comes and goes, well, Dr. Rob, what do you know? What do you know sat in your big house, driving your fancy cars? What do you know about losing your children? And I go, sit down. Let me talk to you about that. Yeah. Like I've been through all this stuff. 
to help people like I do today. So you can go to as many colleges and, and universities as you want. Unless you've walked through it, you will not realize what I'm going through when I want to kill somebody for a drink of alcohol or the behavior, self-sabotaging behavior. You don't know what it's like unless you've been there. Yeah. You know, so it's really intriguing. And I, I'm still researching today. I find new things every month, every year that, that the, the medical fraternity don't know about. Well, I think it's, it's so fascinating because I, I think it's, you know, whether we're talking about something like heroin or meth or cocaine, like those are obviously like, okay, we understand if you're addicted to those, you know, you may or may not want help. But I think then there's a more slippery slope, a gray area of like Netflix or porn or gambling or food, you know. <coughs> which this conversation could be just as applicable to yeah. individuals, guys that are listening who may just feel like they they're numb in their lives, but they're yeah. coping through something like that. So whether we're talking about the far end of the spectrum of hard drugs, right. Or you go into the strip joint, you know, a couple yeah. times a week. Um, it's the, the root causes the trauma, correct? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what people don't really know. It's the childhood. It's the trauma. Everybody has trauma. Mm -hmm. especially alcoholics, every mm -hmm. single person who's an alcoholic around it has trauma, childhood trauma in their life, period. That's all I'm going to say about it. I'm going to argue with you. That's the case. Over 30 years of studying the alcoholic brain, not just psychology on its own. I don't specialize in that. Specialize in the uh, alcoholic brain. There's trauma. And from that trauma will we'll spell out the rest of your life. If you, if you don't, as we say, go back to the scene of the crime and right. clear that stuff up. Because when you look at anything as a child, you know, smack in the back of the legs, get out off that table, you're an idiot. No, you can't go to college. Dad's never there. You know, it's just, it's all trauma that carries out in everyday life today if you're not careful. Well, I just, I keep attracting alcoholics. I hear off women all the time. Was your dad an alcoholic? Yeah. Really? Well, something has to change there, doesn't it? Because your aura, your energy is picking up somebody who's, who you're trying to rescue again and you wonder why it never works out. So unless you have the shift of neural pathways, neuroplasticity takes place, you're always going to re result in the, the cycle that goes on and on and on until somebody dies. Let's dive into the neuroplasticity conversation a little bit more. I mean, I, I get the general uh, idea of it and, and having to unwire and, you know, form new neural pathways to success versus self-sabotage. But if we can make it even more applicable, what you know, for, for men and women, of course, this is applicable to, to them. What is it? Yes, trauma. But then are they feeling like they're unworthy? Do they feel like they're not lovable? What are, what are you finding as common beliefs in people who are addicts? Well, a neural pathway is built when we learn something new or we hear something new. Yeah. So there are billions in the head. So the remapping, what I talk about is... If I'm brought up being told all the time that I'm an amazing, I can do anything I want, I can, I'm great, you know, I'm, I'm really handsome and pretty, whatever the situations be, then I've got more self-care neural pathways and I have self-sabotage. Mm -hmm. Now, with the alcoholic brain or people in general, they are picking up the self, uh, the damage in neuropathy because what they hear, you know, get down off the table, the stuff I just said, you know, you, you're a bad guy, you're not as good as your brother. That's another one I hear all the time. You don't really do anything with your life. Just get a part-time to work at, you know, a hamburger place because, hey, you can't go to college. I'm stupid. So the neural pathways are built every time we hear something new. Mm -hmm. So when I'm hearing all that stuff, 
it means my brain would rather self-sabotage because I want to fit in with mom and dad and, you know, I want to be like dad or whatever it may be than, than uh, healthy neuropathways. So we self-sabotage every single time. Now, we may start off uh, having good intentions, like starting that job, getting that girl, but without work to reroute them neuropathways, you will all self-sabotage over a period of time, usually between one and three months. Yeah. You know, and the brain goes, oh, this feels more comfortable. This is my knee-jerk reaction to go, I'm not going to get a job. I'm ugly. I'm not worthy of that. And the truth is that it could be farther from the truth. So if somebody's out there listening to this right now who feels that way, mm-hmm. feels that they're not worthy, not good enough, all this great stuff, I want to apologize to you guys because somebody's put that there. People are born with million-dollar brains. Stop hanging around two-cent brains. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You know, this is the stuff that we need to learn that I am worthy. What's your ego, Rob? It isn't ego, it's confidence built up over 35, 40 years. There's no such thing as ego when you stood where I'm stood in recovery, standing strong, shouting the things and asking the questions and telling other people stuff that these guys are only thinking about. I'm the mouth, I'm the aggressive one outside because someone needs to know this. There are hundreds of thousands of men dying each year because of something that they can't control, which is trauma, not feeling good enough. I've I've stood, I've worked with everybody who's anybody, any from major film stars to rock stars to movie stars. And I can tell you now that I'm sat in the wings of a concert at Wembley Stadium with 100,000 people in it with a guy crying because he didn't think he was worthy and he's the main act. And, and this is what we don't understand. Oh, he looks very confident. Everyone's the same. They don't feel confident. You have to believe that you're confident. Right. And so is that just positive thinking? Is it just affirmations? Is it something where we, if we just drill it in our head? I mean, I kind of feel like I, I know the answer to the, to the question, but for those that are listening, is, is it just, yeah, are they just, if you just keep looking in the mirror and saying, I'm good enough, I'm, I'm pretty enough, I'm... Mm-hmm. Will that actually work? Or is we have something- to hear it back. We have to hear it back. Uh, what I do when people come here, either who wants to be somebody mm-hmm. or has been and want to get back, I take them to the post dealerships. I take them to the million-dollar houses we walk around because the brain then become accustomed to them things. So when he actually sits in the Porsche, because he will when he works with me, it doesn't feel strange and, oh, my God, and I don't feel – it feels comfortable. So my brain goes, hey, this is pretty good. So we need, we need to hear the reason why you are know you're good and the reason why I know we're good, it's not because we're good, it's because people tell us that we are good. And that's the only uh, indicator that we are. And so I'm sat in the house many years ago with Gordon Ramsay, uh, the chef off TV, and we're sat in his kitchen while he's making something to eat for us. And I'll never forget this. He said to me, jokingly hey do you know why i'm the best chef in the world rob and i will because you can cook really well and he said blank no because i tell everybody i am yeah and i was like oh my god so i actually have on my business cards the best addictionologist in the world it's like i'm not taking any shit off anybody this is the real deal you know so when you start acting this way even if you've got ten dollars in the bank act as if you've got ten thousand There's, there's a movie out there, it'll come to me in a second, but it's about a, a, an overweight lady who bangs her head and then comes round and, and looks at herself in the mirror and she's thin. So she starts acting as if she's thin 
mm-hmm. and she gets exactly what she wants. I feel pretty. Guys, I know it's, it sounds like a chick flick. There's a message in there for every single person out there. Mm-hmm. Start acting as if the person you want to be, because I'm telling you, if you hang around with nine depressed people, mm-hmm. you will become the 10th. And if you you know hang around with 10 successful people, so it's all there for the taking. Oh yeah, Rob. I had a bad, a bad start in life. I'm like living in a rented, you know, little hat. I started from homelessness. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Life doesn't get any better than this where I am. I live in a perfect house, perfect car, perfect wife, perfect dogs, perfect career. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do that. Stop putting the brakes on your imagination. Yeah. Oh, I don't dream that. Well, if you're not dreaming it, the guy next to you is going to dream it and get it. There's yeah. no difference between somebody sat at home now miserable and the guy in the CEO running that multi-billion dollar company. It's just that he can visualize it. And right now you can't right now, but yeah. you can, if you really, really think about what life's all about, you know? So let's say quantum physics. I love quantum physics. Let's say you're on a basketball court. Quantum physics tells me that I can be to be 25 places at the same time on that court because nothing's really solid, you know? Well, where would I want to be on that court if I can be at 25 places? I want to be near the goal. I want to be near the net. So I get the ball, slap it in the net, and boom, I'm the hero of the game. So I know what people are thinking. Well, how do I get there? You walk over and you take that position. You don't beg for it. You walk up because you've already visualized it. Have the balls to walk over and take it because if you don't, somebody will. If not you, who? You know, it's like, stop being afraid. Stop thinking that, you know, that the, the remap mind is going to control your life. It doesn't have to, guys. It really doesn't. And I'm speaking of 30 odd years of research and, you know, six and a half thousand people of, of people I've worked with over that time period. And the end result is always the same. It's like you said before, Johnny, it's not the alcohol, it's not the drugs, not the sex. It's about me, how I think about me. How can you love anybody when you don't even love yourself? You think you do because you want to fit in. Oh, I love you. Do you know what that means? Do you know what I hate on the telephone, Johnny? All right. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. I love you. Bye. Stop. That becomes a word that you just say, mm-hmm. you know, I love myself today. And because of that, I can love other people. What's, what's the process for? Cause I, I do have this conversation with so many men and they're like, we boil it down to self-love. Right. And they're like, yeah, I really don't love myself. If anything, I shame myself. I'm <clears> such a critic of myself. What's, how do you get men and women, but, but men in this conversation, particularly to move towards acceptance, <laughs> forgiveness, grace, compassion for themselves. Cause they can't do it for anyone else unless they do it for themselves. Right. So how yeah. do they, how do you move them down that road of, of compassion? Cause I'm sure at some point you were very, very hard on yourself. What are yes. you how yes. the hell did you get to where you were? How did you build yourself back up when you were hitting, you know, ground zero? Well, repetition strengthens and confirms with the brain. So the more you do something that you believe in, all my guys do what we call mirror work. And the load in the subconscious brain with, I love you 10 times. I love you. I love you. So little things like that mm. start making you into a champion, make your bed in the morning, you know, go out, treat people well, compliment three people every day. If you walk into a room with a frown on your face, most people are going to frown back. That kind of idea, walking with a smile on your face, most people are going to smile back. And you start to, when you interact with people 
and start dialogue in the bus station, in the elevator, whatever, you'll start feeling real good about yourself. Obviously, eat healthy if you can. So expensive to eat healthily these days. But and listen to people. When somebody says nice T-shirt, don't just blow it off. Say thank you. It's so hard for men to say thank you. It's like, oh, Rob, nice sneakers. Ah, oh, it's just something I threw on. Well, why have they got the price tag on the end of this? It's like I never, I couldn't say thank you. I always had to make an excuse up or something like that. It's like we're Can't in a new it. age. Yes, we're in a new age, and we, and men need to start being men again. And I, and I don't mean anything disrespect with anybody by saying that. I just think there's certain roles in this, this life that, that lacked for a period with men, you know, and I think we've lost our way a little bit. We know we, we should hear more of these people and we should hear their opinions, guys that are stuck. And I, I hear it all the time. You know, you can literally be anybody you want in life. And people used to always step back. Well, I can't be president. I beg to differ. We had a business owner in the country. I'm not going to get into politics. I'm not into it at all. But it shows you that you really can and start believing in yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, be impeccable with your words. Stop taking things personally. And, and, and your life will take off. I'm telling you it will take off because you have, everyone has the same thought patterns throughout the day. You know, if, if, you, if you're happy with your lot, great. But most people are not. It's time to step forward. You know, and, and again, if you sat at home and going, well, I don't know where to start. I'm going to give my phone number out, my personal phone number. <laughs> my manager goes, you're crazy. I'm going to give my personal cell phone out toward the end of, the, of, of this session. If you want a 10 minute pet talk that will change your life, call me. I'll change your life in 10 minutes. I promise you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you refer to the, the four agreements. Um, by Don Miguel Ruiz. I, I think that's, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you have not read that, put it atop your, your list. It's yeah, yeah, it's a must. <clears throat> what I love too about something that I saw on uh, when you were on the doctor's TV show, and this is something that I feel too, I feel like life isn't worth living unless you're having fun. <coughs> and I feel like so much of quote unquote men's work, you know, or trauma work, whatever the case, whatever's getting in the way of us living our best and most fulfilled lives as men and as individuals and human beings is that we don't have a whole lot of fulfillment and fun with it. So I'm always trying to, to sprinkle in like, let's have fun with this without this being so heavy. How do you, when it comes to addiction and man, people are, are ruining their lives through being out of control via their addiction, how do you make sure that you also have fun with it? So it's just not this like burdensome, heavy thing. Well, third of all, our offices, we mainly work from our world. No, we have the offices. It was fun to come in that reception. Everyone would dress like really crazy. I would wear crazy colored scrubs, stupid sneakers. I'd play the guitar when the first person walking through the door, it was the first time I played the guitar and he walked in and be looking around going, what the hell's happening? You know, and then yeah. we take him in the room and we tell him life is for living. Forget your alcohol problem, your depression, but forget that it's gone. It's gone from right now. If you tell somebody that powerful enough and with passion, the brain's going to go, huh? Even if 10% believes that, 10% is good enough, you know? And I, and I, and I give people hope. And, and it, it, I, that's one of the biggest things. Are we having fun yet? You know, people that's just come off the alcohol or drugs go to the first 12-step meeting and I'm there and I go, are you having fun yet? They go, no, it's life's terrible, but you've just walked in here. What was your last 50 minutes like? Oh, it was amazing. Great. So we can have fun in recovery. That Listen, if you're not living your best life and laughing every day, and have a great bunch of p- people and things around you. You're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. You really are. 
I hear people all the time, you know, going to my therapist and, and well, it's okay. How long have you been going? Two years. What? If you don't see a difference in day one, fire them and get somebody else. Come on. You know, yeah. if you look at an egg timer and you tip it upside down to start all over again, that's your life. You see, on the top of the egg timer, when the sand is here going down, we can't concentrate on that. You see the bottom part now? We have no control over that, you know, because there's your life going away every single day. I might have 20 summers left. 20 summers. That really, but when it's going through the egg time, there's this little bit when it, it really narrows down to a little bit. That's what we should be concentrating on. Mm. Forget this and forget that. We have no control, but we have tiny control there. Yeah. That's where we need to live. Mm. We need to know our life is amazing. We need to know where it's going and we need to know that there's a time limit on this. Mm -hmm. So I asked the same question to every man that walks in here. If you were to die tonight, God bless you. If you, I know, I hope you don't. But if you did, what would you not having uh, said to somebody or do? And they all say the same. I wish you'd have told my dad that I loved him or mom or wife. And I wish I'd have bought that boat. It's like today is the only day we've got. Forget about yesterday. Can't control it. Forget about tomorrow. If we're thinking about tomorrow, it's going to happen tomorrow. You're taking the peace out of today. You know, things are never bad as you think it is. And, and, and I look my life as a movie. You know, what I want, I get. What everybody wants, they can get. But they just, we need to snap out of this brain that's caused by, and we look at the churches and the, and the other things that were, you know, the uncles that used to, uh, get, used to get molested by these guys. Them, them days have gone, you know? Go back, clear that stuff up. And, and your greatest asset to moving forward is your past. When we look at it like that, it's unbelievable. And I start talking to people. Nobody talks. I go into an elevator the other day. There's 12 people in the elevator all looking different ways. I'm the guy that starts a conversation on all the time. Mm -hmm. And I know what they're thinking. Shut up. It's uncomfortable. I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to start talking to you. How are you doing? Good today. Oh, I'm doing fine. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. What about you? What are you doing on this floor? You know, just <laughs> when you start dialogue, you get dialogue back and it makes yeah. you feel good. And when you say thank you to somebody, dopamine's released into your brain. Boom. Win-win all the time. Mm -hmm. I do like the, the, the thought that you have of like going and complimenting three people a day yeah, and, and walking into rooms <laughs> smiling. Cause I, I, I found myself feeling insecure. So I'd walk into rooms, especially like bars or where there's other, where there's beautiful women. And I'd have this frown because I'm, I'm just trying to feel tough or confident. And then I realized when I started to just put a <laughs> smile on my face, you know, as I'm telling myself a funny joke, women would smile back to me. Men would smile back to me. Always. It's funny how that makes you feel <laughs> Yeah, more comfortable, more at ease, you know, versus putting on a, a mask. Johnny, right? you, you must have got it. Somebody said something like, oh, Johnny, the thing you're doing is amazing. Whoa, that feels so good because yeah. other people. But that's what's coming before. We don't tell people. I was in my office some, about two years ago and there was two nurses in the break room and I was walking past and one said, just started there. Oh, my God. Did you see what Dr. Kelly just did? This guy was suicidal when he walked in. He walked out, he's whistling, he's, he's skipping, he's saying, you know, and the other nurse said, yeah, I know. He said, he's amazing. He said, I know. Have you told him that? Oh, no. Well, no. I mean, he already knows, but no, no. Tell people. Yeah. That's what makes people's day. Mm. You know? Well, I don't want to tell him because he might get a big head. What? This is a chronic alcoholic that almost put a gun in his mouth and shot his face. This is the guy that lost his kids to alcoholism. Mm. I'm not going to get a big head, believe me, but everyone comes out with that stupid saying. It's like, tell people when they're good. 
when somebody makes you coffee at Starbucks, thank them. I love you're amazing. Thank you so much for what you do. Mm. First of all, you'll get the fourth cup free. That's a secret. <laughs> but, yeah, tell these guys and and they'll tell you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Well, I'm I'm curious. Looking back on your own life, uh, your own your own journey to where you are today, is there anything? <clears throat> well, even before I say that, I'll preface it. My father asked me the same question years ago, um, when we were kind of healing our own relationship, and he asked me, you know, what would you change if you could change one thing about your life? What would you <clears throat> change? And I'm and I'm curious to ask you the same thing. Would there be anything that you would change in your past? If I wasn't in the work I was in now, yeah. I'd probably say, yeah, I didn't want to leave my kids. I stabbed my wife three times one night because she wanted me to finish drinking. I wish I had done that. But with being in the, because I've been chosen just like every other recovered alcoholic and addict uh, to work with others. So that, that becomes an asset to me. It's my time on the streets and losing the kids and stabbing my wife and all that horrible stuff then becomes like a semester at Harvard in this industry now if i wasn't yeah i'd change a bunch of things man i i changed the cheating i changed the not spending more time with my kids you know they were ages one and three when they took them off me and the last thing the eldest one said three was daddy daddy please stop drinking you know and six months after that i was homeless from this imagine house and brand new cars and you know practices and stuff like that it's like of course but i have to say nothing no i won't change a thing right now well you went from from ceo of a thriving telecommunications company right and yes you, and that all kind of crashed down what what happened what were you really what were you experiencing in your drinking i guess uh don't don't let me put words in your mouth but obviously <coughs> continue to get worse and worse but what what was it that you were drinking as in a way to avoid and, and how did all this kind of crash down on you i i always felt like the imposter so I have this imposter syndrome, even being on hair day, you know, what, who wants to listen to me, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I had that going on. I was miserable in my marriage. I was drinking heavily to get away from all that. Then I started day drinking. And then I made a few decisions in the boardroom that everybody fought against me, but I was drunk. So, you know, I made it happen, which we lost millions overnight and therefore went bankrupt. So it's, it's going back to the childhood stuff that I was hiding from. You see, there's a lots of stuff in the past that I didn't know was childhood trauma. Mm. Like, for instance, my, I had to go to school in the snow with holes in my socks, cardboard in my shoes because they had holes in, and that become a norm for me. But somebody asked, because I said, can't you afford shoes? And I said, no, my mom and dad can't afford them. And they said, did they go to the bar every night? And he said, no, they only go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And my therapist said this, which blew my socks off. She says, does your mom and dad go to the bar with holes in their socks? I was like, start crying. I'm like, oh my God. And then all the memories come back. How they, you know, took me around to this babysitters and everyone was naked. So I had to get in there. I was just like abuse after abuse after abuse. So I'm running from that because I've not done any work on this, by the way, now, because I'm still drinking. So it was a combination of all that, that no matter what happened at the end of the day, you know, it turned to crap over any considerable period. I will destroy something. Mm. And I was on the most money there. I drove the first IS 200 Lexus off the, off the line with the pop-up screen. I mean, I was the guy, but I was miserable, Johnny, mm. miserable. Mm. People used to say all the time, walking past the house, you know, used to tell me years later, we walked past your house and we went, oh my God, he's living the dream. 
It was mayhem in that house. It was full of violence and, you know, abandonment and rejection and just me hating me all the time. And uh, always trying to be perfect, but never could get there. And instant gratification for me isn't quick enough. I buy a brand new car on the way home and thinking, huh, I wonder if the other one was better. Maybe I better go and buy both. Which, and, and, and it's always not good enough. It's always not having enough. It's always, today, I will always say to my wife, I'm scared if we go broke and I have to go back to being on the streets again. And so what happened is, and I'm, I'm telling you and, and you guys listen to this for, for a reason. It's not to brag. It's like, this is how my mind works. If we could just get $50,000 in our checking account, I would never worry about that again. So when we did, I thought, well, what if we had 100? Now 100 is the one that we need to do. So we've got all our savings, but it's just 100 grand in cash. And then I thought, what about 200? So we've got $200,000 in my, in my checking account. And then what if we got free? And it never stops. Never stops. I, I have more than they're insured for in, the, in, in my account right now, my daily account. My, my, my bank account that I could walk in and, and the cash is there, but I'm so scared that one day this is all going to go away. So when you look at yourself like that, no one's perfect. Everyone's still working on themselves, you know? But my job today is to inspire and help you get that life that you've always yearned of. Because again, nobody, nobody can get their head around how easy this stuff is, Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. I think it takes a, an immense amount of courage. I mean, a lot of times it's, it's just like the people that I've worked with over the last decade plus. It's like the, the solution can be simple to understand, but yeah. walk through that door sometimes can be the, the most difficult <clears throat> first few steps, you know. Um, but I, I, again, just applaud you for the, the, the inner work that you've done because I think that's the scariest part, especially for guys, you yeah. know, to acknowledge yeah. that they are, uh, in alcoholic or they are traumatized or they are, you know, um, but I'm not a, a, a fan of saying men are broken, that they need to be fixed. I don't like that underlying yeah, belief, yeah. but I do feel like we just need to shed some of these, you know, unhealthy habits. Um, and I have noticed that, that men who are always seeking pleasure, pleasure being outside of them, it, it never is enough to your point. No. It's, it's no. more women, it's more cars, it's more sex, yeah. it's more whatever. <clears throat> the happiness has to come from within, but then men, men don't really know what that shortcut is to, to get there. You know, it's yeah. obvious I can go buy a car, I can go make more money. That's, that's clear with the how-to and men are often focusing on that. How do I get from A to B? So I think the conversation <clears throat> that we're having about how to get back to self-love, how to get back to true happiness yeah. That is a challenging conversation, but you say it's, it's easy. How would you take someone quote unquote off the street or someone that you don't know who, who listens to this and says, you know what? Fuck, I need help. man. <clears throat> help me. What's the very first step? What's the process? Uh, 30,000 foot view of that process that you would take a guy through. Uh, well, get help straight away, get shelter straight away. Of course, start dialogue with somebody, not even me, but if I was working with you, uh that's that's what i would do get shelter if they're on the streets uh get them fed first of all and then start them on this program which is a 90-day program and then while we're doing that we're finding jobs we're finding an apartment for him we're, we're getting his life but i mean we'll go to any lengths to make sure 
that you you succeed in life. And I think we're, we're kind of out the box a little bit and kind of frowned on by by other uh, treatment centers because we have a ninety seven percent success rate, and they don't believe that. But wow. yeah. you know, this is not about the money. So I mean, for instance, we had a young kid with us. He was eighteen, nineteen. Couldn't find a girlfriend. He drove a Mustang car. His dad was wealthy. Could never find a girlfriend. So we talked to him for three weeks, four weeks, every session. We talked about his addiction and and getting girls and how easy it is. So I hired an Irish pub in Dallas. Uh, well, I didn't hire it. I made sure that certain tables were paid for so nobody could get there. And I planted really nice looking girls around. I paid them to be there. So there were 20 girls and the place had about 50 people in it. So there's a good chance when I turn around and go, hey, Johnny, uh, pick, a, pick a girl. And that's what we did. We went in and I said, look, it's this easy. And we, I said, look around, pick somebody that's, that's just out of your league. And he said, the blonde girl over there. I thought, thank God, that's one of my girls. So I said, <laughs> come on, we'll go over. And he's grabbing hold of the bar and I pulled him off. I said, look, I'm going to do the talking, leave it alone. So we sit, say, can I join you? Can we join you for dinner? I'll pay for everything. And they go, oh my God, yeah. I've seen you on TV. And I'm like, yeah, of course you have, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the girl next to this guy, I'm still going to call Johnny. Uh, she said to him, uh, oh, I, you know, I might have to go, you know, shortly because my Mustang is, you have a Mustang? Yeah, I have a Mustang. No way. So they get chatting. And uh, at the end of the night, we come out and I said, see how easy it is. And three days later, he got himself a girlfriend. So no matter what measures need to be taken, I will take it. I will often take people, if you go missing, I will find you and I will handcuff you and I will bring you back because there's a life waiting out there. So it's kind of a all-in-one deal that we have to keep bettering this person. And if I sat here now, Johnny, and said, you're you, you a waste of time. You know, you fucking can't do this shit. You're wasting time. If I told you every day, if I told you 20 times a day, whew, you won't be doing this in a, in a week's time. You're going, no, just, if you tell people, and you can only do it to the people you believe, you can't lie about this. I've, I've, I've realized that. Then they become that person. That's powerful. hundred percent. I agree with that. And I, and I think that, uh, it does ultimately uh, come down to first and foremost, finding some sense of security and stability, you know, and, and uh, starting to right the ship, so to speak. But in this conversation, if we're, if we're, you know, one, I've been thinking we've been, ta- we're speaking specifically to someone who's listening, who, who might have some addiction <laughs> issues. Let's, let's flip the script a little bit because sometimes people who are the most addicted, they're not going to be the guys that are listening to a, a personal growth no. or, you know, self-improvement yes. podcast. They're, they're out doing their thing, you know, looking for the next hit. Right. So for those that are listening, that maybe know of a family member Mm -hmm. or friend, sometimes we're the ones, we're the conduit towards healing, you know, give some advice to those people. Cause that can be super scary too, because we can all see it. And that person who's addicted thinks that they're pulling the wool over everyone's eyes. And we're all like, Oh fuck. No, that guy's totally abusing you know, but we're yeah. scared to put ourselves out there to whatever, how, how would you, or what type of advice would you give to someone who has a loved one or a friend or a buddy who needs some support, but they don't know exactly how to approach that conversation. Dialogue is always best. First of all, yeah. start to try that dialogue around that subject. Nine out of 10 times you're going to be pushed out. Don't be stupid, blah, blah, blah. Then leave, you know, subtle things around the house. If you can a uh, 12 step number, you know, a book, 
my business card or anyone's business card, stuff like that. And just keep talking to them, but don't get on the nerves. And then if everything else fails, there's always an intervention you can, you can work out. But we find with families, because it's a family disease, Johnny, everyone forgets this. It's like the alcoholic in the house, you know, if there's mom and dad, son and daughter, and dad is the alcoholic, then mom and dad, son and daughter need treatment. And, and the, way, the way we look at this, it's like recovery has its own language. So if we're taking people out of a house, let's say that speaks Japanese and we take them away and stick them in uh, a treatment center that speaks French, for instance, after it finished, we stick them back in the house that speaks Japanese, they're gonna start speaking Japanese. So the whole family can have an effect on, on one person by just being loving and kind, you know, and it will get bad enough you know, check the bedrooms, check the pockets, check all the crazy places and see if there is alcohol or drugs in excess. Because especially people at college, you know, they go for a crazy time. I know when I went, you know, drinking and using all the time, most 99% of people I know come through that and have an amazing jobs. So there's a fine line. But once you cross that fine line, um, action needs to be taken and just start with dialogue, you know. And listen, my, when I give my phone number out, you can always call me. I'm not going to try and sell you anything. You know, we don't, we're not in this for the money, but we will give you some great advice mm. about what you can do. If it's a mom or dad, it's different. You know, uh, if it's a brother or wife or husband, there's kind of different ways you can approach it. But, you know, don't leave it, guys. This is a warning. Don't leave it as saying, oh, it's going to go away. He's drinking every day. It should stop. It will not stop. If that, if, if he, if he doesn't get treatment, he will die. Mm -hmm. Because people say to me now, well, you know, there was alcoholism in the family. Did you tell your kids? No, they were too young. They were only like nine and 10. Yeah, if I'd have told you it was alcoholism in my family, I might have been a, turned out a little different mm. because everyone's scared to talk about. Information is powerful in any game, powerful. Start having that conversation with your kids. You know, if granddad was a chronic alcoholic, you need to tell your kids that there's alcoholism in the family or addiction in the family. And, and you'd be surprised the ages of eight and nine and 10 and 11 how that information sticks and yeah. and in future they will often come to you and go hey i think i have a problem but again going back to dialogue don't be afraid to speak to kids husband wives just don't be afraid to do it oh i don't want to bring the subject up would you rather bring the subject up or go to his funeral choice is yours mm. but it gets that desperate i've seen too many people die yeah i've seen so many miracles in the recovery but i've seen so many people die because of lack of information or dialogue so that, 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 that's what I would say first. And, and listen, have fun with this. You know, if there's somebody here who doesn't want treatment, doesn't want help, you know, hey, listen, I've talked to this guy or, or this sensor or something, they're crazy, just like you. You know, why don't you have a conversation with them real quick? Anything that makes it lighter is, is better, you know, and uh, don't get too serious about it because people, when you get serious about it, people, alcoholics and addicts will shy away from that. You know, they, want, they don't want the light shined on them when they're drinking using or depressed so right. bring it around very cleverly that's all i can say mm -hmm. but start dialogue straight away guys yeah because if, if if they are running from pain if they're using to avoid pain just to get the instant gratification of that pleasure then coming up with with a heavy conversation they're going to move away from that <laughs> yeah that pain as well right it's just naturally what we as human beings do you have to so, chip away at this stuff chip away with little you know we're going through a girl now in, down in Houston. The husband is going through some stuff and we're chipping away. You know, it's been going on for four months, this. We're chipping away. 
and he's drinking every day and and, and like he's, he's lost his job and the house is going and all this amazing stuff, but we're chipping away because he's a hard ass and he doesn't want help. So unless the person needs help, you probably, it's going to take a, a few months to get him around. But yeah, let's get involved with this stuff, guys. Even depression is a killer. And it's amazing when I go back and do some, when we did some research and uh, well, it's just depression. They'll pull out of it a little bit down. Don't worry. Oh my God. When I, when I was working back in the day, nine to five and I had depression, I would miss days off work. I tried to commit suicide about six times on the streets and on two occasions it worked. My heart stopped and I almost bled out, but they saved me. And I was really pissed off with them guys for a long time. You see, the position you are in now is temporary. I don't give a shit if you're the highest paid footballer. No, it's temporary. I don't care if you're on the streets and living in a halfway home. It's temporary. You know, go forward. Life will. I guarantee this. Otherwise, I'm going to give you my Mercedes McLaren outside. You can have it. I'll send the keys to you. I'm being very, very serious. If you seek help, you can't do this on your own and you move forward. Your life will get better every single time. And that's the hope we need to give to our people out there is this is not permanent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's a huge realization because we do feel like it's permanent or the economy is a certain way. It's going yeah. great or, you know, this <laughs> pandemic is going on. We feel like whatever we're in the current situation is going to be permanent. And that's the, the sky's falling in different ways, you know? Yeah. And I you'd be surprised how many people say that, Johnny, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Guys that are successful, guys that are on the streets, you just... It all ends in doom and gloom. Well, guess what? What if it doesn't? You know, what if it doesn't? What if you are successful? What if you are the best road sweeper in Dallas or the best CEO? In, what if, what if, what if? You know, the thought patterns, again, the more thought patterns you have positive, the more chance it will come true. I was, I remember speaking to Arnold Schwarzenegger way back in the day, 78, 79, he came to England. We were, I was a bodybuilder at the time, so we were nominated to pick him up. And broke real broken English, not even what you hear now. But I remember having a conversation with him in the hotel room. And I said, well, you know, what, what are you going to do? I mean, you can't keep bodybuilding the rest of your life. And he's not really profitable. So he, he sat me down. He said, it's all about your mind. How bad do you want this, Rob? And I said, well, give me some instances. He said, well, I will become the highest paid actor, film actor in the world. And we're like, you can't even fucking speak English. It's, <laughs> yeah. not, it's just not going to happen. So he said, no, I'm going to. I said, what's next? He said, I want to become a governor of a, of a state, preferably California, because I love California. And we're like, well, okay, that, that's stupid. But what next? And he said, and this, is, this was the one, Johnny, this was the one. And we fell off our chair. He said, I'm going to marry into the Kennedy family. Yeah. We was like, okay. So we went through the days and we lost contact and everything. And holy moly, that's the power of thought. All you got to remember yourself, guys, when you're listening to this at home is how bad you want it. Mm -hmm. How bad do you want to be happy every single day? How bad? Because I wanted it really bad and I got what I deserved and you can get what you deserve. I don't care what your past is, what you've done, how many times you've been in jail, how many times you've beat somebody, whatever it is, your future is going to be amazing as long as you get this thought pattern process that the best days of your life lie ahead of you not behind you lie ahead of you and you can change every single day that you get up and you watch your life take off 
communication, the smiling, the complimenting people, the accepting compliments, the doing the right thing, buying the Ford agreements will change your life. Believe me. And start living that life. And call me up. Dr. Robert, on a 10-minute pep talk, bang! You won't be the same fucking person when you get off the phone from me. I can guarantee you. And he can move forward because if I can do it, anybody... I wish I could sit here, Johnny, and go, listen, I'm really intelligent. I'm not. This shit just happens. What the universe does, you know? You get back out of life what you give. Today is not about... The, you can take everything off me, Johnny, and stick me in my tent with my wife in this tent, my three English bulldogs and my two cats, and I'll be happy today uh, as I was ever happy. You know, it's material things. They don't last. It's stuff around you. It's working with other people. It's making somebody's day. It's watching parents come into the office and go, oh, my God, Dr. Rob, you saved my son's life. Oh, it's stuff like that that I live for. And, and, and we, we give money away like crazy. We, we, I spend time talking to vets and, and, and talking on trauma free. Everything's free that we do. If we buy a fridge and six months later, she's seen a new one, we give that fridge away. We don't sell it. We go, hey, who out there is struggling? Just moved into an apartment. Here's a fridge. Oh, by the way, when you come around, take the sofa. We'll buy another one. Don't worry. Take the, that's what life's about. And it, and it so encourages people. People and, 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 and punch people up, and then they go out and do the same to somebody else. So their dopamine's flying in their head, and we get this chain moving down the line that, that's just amazing. It's unstoppable. You know, depression, when it comes on, guys, it's like, whoa, that's it for no reason. Life can be swung around like that for no reason. You know, just mm. stop daring to dream. Mm. Stop daring that it can't be me. And stop doing that. Start saying it is you and move forward. And if you want to get your kids back, you can get them back. Well, shit, that bitch is never speaking to me again. It makes no difference. When we do the right thing, the right things happens. There's a code to this deal, guys. And it's do A and B and C will follow every single time. You can't, it's not as if you're not, whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. People are going to like you and your life's become amazing and the kids will come back. So let me tell you real quick, my youngest one I've never seen, Johnny. She was one years old. This was 30 odd years ago, never seen her. My eldest daughter, four years ago only, never seen her since, was messaging me on, 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 on Facebook. Said, I want to see your dad. I've seen you on TV. You do amazing things. We went over to meet her. When we stood on the door crying and held each other for the first time in 20 odd years, she took me to the uh, living room and she handed me my three-month-old granddaughter. Mm. Now, that sounds pretty good on its own, but there's more. Mm. She said, I want to go to college, Dad. This is after six or seven trips over there to do what you do. So we sent her back to college to become an NLP therapist. Mm -hmm. Three months ago, she opened my Manchester office of Rob Kelly Recovery Group, and she's my primary therapist over there. That's awesome. Always happens if you do the right thing. Always. Mm -hmm. My youngest daughter will come around soon. Because that's what it's all about. Mm. And this is from just, I used to walk in the room, Johnny. I used to walk in all crouched down with my head down. And I used to think, I hope somebody likes me in here today. I walk in the room now with my head held high and go, how many people do I like in here today? Mm. That's the difference. You are that guy. Mm -hmm. You are that guy. If you're listening to this, guys, you are that guy. You can do this. I love that because, again, in, in wrapping things up here, it's, it's you know, the applicable <laughs> steps of the small little things men can do just to get started. 
I always say you have to first heal whatever is in the way of your greatness. Then from there, can you get clear about your, your purpose in life? you know, your calling. And then from there, can you really focus on what's most important? I think where the juice of life is, which is all your relationships, Yes. you know, your relationships with yourself and with your creator, with mother nature, with your friends and your family, your spouse, your kids, all those things. But you can't even get to the good stuff if you're being blocked by your trauma and your pain, your woundings. Right. So I feel like you have to get through that stuff. Otherwise you cannot uh, have your head held high. You can't work through. Definitely not. So and believe me, guys, there was no one more than me head held low and sat in the gutter on many night, you know, Christmas Eve, eating a can of beans that I found off the side of the street. You know, you, you can do this. You just need to go back to the scene of the crime and you need to clear all that stuff up with somebody. You cannot do it on your own. You yeah. can't be your own judge of this trauma. It doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, that's good. And I think that's that's absolutely true because we, we I think the imposter syndrome was like, oh, well, I'm going to fake it until I eventually make it and then I'm going to be good which is, I think, a, a fallacy. You have to do the work. You have to be, be courageous enough and vulnerable enough to say, hey, you know what? Help me. I'm not going to be able to do this on my own. And then from there, the, the snowball rolls in a good way, right? Well, that's why I like doing what I do now, especially these podcasts, because I'm the ex-bodybuilder. I'm the ex-fighter. I'm the dude you're not going to fuck with. Even now at the age of 60, you're not going to fuck with me. Yeah. You know, I'm too big. I'm too in your face. I'm too strong. But what I'm saying to other guys is be vulnerable, I'm setting the path here. Be vulnerable to go and say something to these guys. You know, we need to talk. We can't just sit at home going through all this shit. It will kill you. Biggest killer in the world, cancer? No. Alcoholism? No. Stress and trauma? Yeah. Because we keep all that stuff in and it destroys us. It's like a cancer eating. It gets worse every single day. And it's a shame because anybody can do this shit. Anybody. You know, you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be you know, anything, you can just want a better life. Be the best person you can be today. Mm. Compliment three people, act accordingly, dress accordingly, and yeah. speak accordingly. You watch your life change. It's interesting too, because I spent, I've gone to a couple of Dr. Joe Dispenza's uh, retreats mm. and his whole uh, quantum physics and neuroplasticity <laughs> conversation is about it, the higher the frequency of thought that you're having, mm-hmm. love and gratitude, there's more organization there. The lower you go towards depression, the sadness yes. and overwhelm and frustration, <laughs> the lower the order. And that's where dis-ease, you know, yeah. is created yeah. in the body. And it's just like, oh, that makes so much sense. So much um, sense. Yeah, yeah. It's easier said than done sometimes when you're in the funk. But yeah. I think that's why you need to rely on your brothers, you know, or pick up the phone and, and and call you or reach out for to someone who can help you. You don't have to know how to to get there. You just literally have to just say, "Hey, help dialogue. me." Yeah, dialogue. dialogue, right? <clears throat> yeah. How do they get in touch with you? What's what's the next step if someone's like, you know what? And it sounds like you work with not only people who need help, but also maybe loved ones who are trying to get to someone yeah. who's not yet open to the idea of that. Loved too, ones, right? uh, you know, addicts, alcoholics, depressed people, bipolar relationships whatever it is in your life you're going through hit the website that's robkelly.com i spell my name with two b's r-o-b-b-k-e-l-l-y.com search in any search engine dr rob kelly you'll see tons of stuff there but also if you have a bit of time uh jump onto amazon or going to walmart Uh, i have a book out and the reason why i mention this is not to sell a book i don't give a shit about it i've never even seen a dime from that book every single dime spent on that book and i think it's nine dollars go back into the community. We take nothing from that book. And the book is called Daddy, Daddy, Please Stop Drinking, which was the lastest thing my daughter said to me mm-hmm. before she came back in my life. So go on and have a read. If you don't like it, give, let me know. I'll refund you. 
you know, but yeah, just uh, do all that, guys, and you, you'll see me. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm also going to give you my personal phone number. This is this phone here, for those who can see. Uh, it's not my assistant. It's not the desk. It's me personally. So if you call and I don't answer, I'm in session. Text or we'll call you back. So it's 214-600-0210. If you call me and want a 10-minute talk, just do that. I will do that gladly. I'm never going to try and sell you shit uh, because that's the kind of guys we are. you know. But I will change your life in 10 minutes. I guarantee I will. Thank you so much for, for sharing your gifts. And I, and I think what, what resonates for me is, you know, to see someone such as yourself, to have the, the vulnerability and transparency saying like, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm not the sharpest tool, but, but you've worked through your shit and now you've turned your legacy into a, a life of, of giving, yes. you know, and, and truly uh, leaving your mark on this one and one and beautiful life by way of just having empathy and compassion for those that uh, are, are walking the, the, a similar path that you were, that you were on years ago. So regardless, thank you so much. Oh, my it really pleasure. Is a Absolutely. My thing. pleasure to be on it. So it's so good to be on these podcasts, especially yours. And you go back and you do the background of who you are because Courtney calls me up and uh, she, she might send one or two. We only go on, we go on really good ones. Then we go on someone that's got like two followers to give back. But when she calls and she did this with you, she went, Hey, Johnny King next, blah, blah, blah. Make sure you're on it. And I'm like, yeah, but you're doing it. He's an amazing guy. Do it. So then I get to research it today and I go, Oh my God, he is an amazing guy. So listen, thank you, Johnny. For what you do by the way because nobody ever tells anybody i'm telling you now i want to recognize you for being who you are standing there which can be a lonely place johnny as we both know when you're fighting this cause but thank you for being there you are saving hundreds of thousands of lives with the ripple effect and you don't even know it so thank you so much man you're, you're a superstar yeah well, i really appreciate it i mean it means a lot because even yesterday was a really tough day for me and I'm, I'm questioning why I'm doing anything and is it even worth it? You know? So that little vote of confidence means the, the world to me. So thank you. You've got, listen, you've got my phone number, Johnny, you've got that shit again. You call me five minutes, boom, we'll get back on track. No problem, sir. Yeah. Thank you. But it goes to show we all have our down days. We all yes. have our struggles so just because <clears throat> yes. we're on podcasts or on video doesn't mean we have all our shit together. We're all yeah, human exactly. beings and we all hey, go If you stuff. think we have our shit together, follow us home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Follow us home and you'll 100%. see that, you know, shit still happens in, in this house. Yeah, amen to that. Well, thank you again, uh, Rob. And, and guys, again, pick up his book. Uh, check out Rob Kelly, R O B B K E L L Y dot com. Uh, text him, call him. If, if you are struggling or if you have a loved one that's really struggling, this is. Uh, there's a reason why you're listening to this podcast. And I truly believe this, this is the, the call to action is for you to get into action and, uh, and potentially save a life. So Dr. Rob, thank you again. Appreciate you so much. And uh, guys, we'll catch up with you soon. All the best. Bye-bye. That's it for this one. And I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend, 
or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at Johnny King and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Johnny King Men's Coach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.